Welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, not back here with your co-host, Chris, the fantasy expert, but in his place, we have a special guest on today. My good friend Austin is on the show today, who's a member of my Dynasty League as well as Redraft League. Um, He's a good friend of mine. I've fun talking with him about fantasy we have many chats over the phone about it and he's been on the show a couple times as well in the past so welcome on Austin it's good to have you the shows with you in the past have always been fun so I'm looking forward to this one yeah thank you it's good to be back today and yes we've got a good uh topic for today most polarizing fantasy players for 2021 we got four at each of the major fantasy positions to talk about but before that we have some news to cover and the first, mm-hmm. I guess, if you're ready, Austin, we can jump right into it. Yeah, let's let's do it. All right. So the first piece of news is the San Francisco involves the San Francisco 49ers, involves multiple other teams. But the main thing that happened was the 49ers traded up from number 12 overall in the NFL draft to the number three overall pick trading with the Dolphins, who by moving down to 12, got some other future draft picks, I think probably a future first rounder. And then the Dolphins proceeded to move up to number six in a swap with the Eagles who moved down to number 12. And there are a lot of ramifications here, but I think the main one to talk about, I mean, is the 49ers moving up to number three. This is huge. I think this probably means that they're targeting a quarterback. Yeah, that, that was actually really interesting to me, especially because, uh, I just heard that the uh, 49ers disclosed that they were going to keep like Jimmy Garoppolo and, and they were dismissing all of like the, the, the trade rumors that were going uh, going on. And so that's actually quite confusing to me because they seemed pretty confident in uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. So I'm, I'm not really sure what the uh, goal of that was. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm I'm not really sure either. Maybe it's just, I don't know, Garoppolo, I know he has a huge contract, but it's like, I don't know why they would say they would keep him. I I don't really know what the advantage is is of trading up to three unless they maybe want like Penny Sewell, the star like left tackle or the star tackle who's like the best offensive lineman in this class. I I don't don't really know. I just don't see them like going for a, uh, a QB. I mean, I mean, I guess they could, but trading up, there has to be, I feel like there has to be more incentive because they seem like very confident in keeping uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I know there was a bunch of trade rumors, especially involving like the Vikings and uh, Kirk Cousins, which as a Vikings fan, I actually wasn't too happy about. Cause let <laughs> me tell you, I'd much rather have uh, Kirk Cousins than Jimmy Garoppolo. But I mean, I, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not a fantastic QB, but again, yes, he has a huge, he has a huge contract. And then also the 49ers are pretty uh, firm about uh, keeping him. So I'm not really sure what that move was all about, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to trust that the 49ers, like, I mean, cause Kyle Shanahan is a smart coach. I'm going to trust that they have something planned. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't really understand. Like the two main quarterbacks that have been linked to them are Justin Fields and Mac Jones. And Mac Jones, in my opinion, is really just like a slightly better version of Jimmy Garoppolo. So I really don't see them drafting a quarterback other than Fields, who I do think I'm not very high on this year. But I mean, I don't really I I agree with you, Austin, that it's weird that they were talking about keeping Garoppolo. But I mean, I could see a scenario where that was just coach speak and they grab Fields, but I don't really expect them to grab Jones however I wouldn't be shocked just because I mean he is a good fit for that offensive system 
Yeah. All right. And then last piece of news uh, before we move on, Leonard Fournette, 26-year-old running back. I can't believe he's only 26. Has re-signed <laughs> yeah. with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had a great uh, playoff stretch um, over yeah. to starter Ronald Jones, and that's going to be interesting, that backfield. It's going to be one of the most interesting ones for next year, in my opinion. I, I completely agree. I mean, first things first, Ronald Jones had a heck of a season, especially in the first half. He kind of – he did kind of fall off towards the end, especially on the pe- playoff stretch. I remember uh, I was actually really excited uh, for the playoffs and Ronald Jones uh, also because I thought this first – I mean, it's the first Super Bowl for the Bucs, but especially for such a young guy who was having such a great year. I was really excited uh, to see him uh, show up, like, in the playoffs. And it was really disappointing to see – I'm going to admit it. It was really disappointing to see Leonard Fournette – uh, just basically do infinitely better than uh, Ronald Jones. Like yeah. it, it was really like there was such a uh, a huge difference between uh, the way both of them were playing and it and like after the season he had, I was really really surprised that Ronald Jones didn't do more. And so that's that's definitely worrying uh, a worrisome for next year because I mean. Like, you don't really know, like, is he going to come back from, uh, like, what's going to happen with that backfield, especially after Leonard Fournette kind of proved that he was uh, the better back in uh, the playoff stretch. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. We know Ronald Jones was dealing with an injury, but even when he came back, Leonard Fournette did. Yeah. And the Ronald Jones saga has just been crazy. Sometimes he's in favor of the coaching staff. Sometimes he's not. I'm going to say predict that he is the starter and gets the majority of carries next year because that was what happened in the regular season. But I do think Fournette earned himself a larger role than what he got last regular season. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's pretty, uh, that's, that's pretty reasonable. I'm still not completely sure that uh, I'm still worried about Ronald Jones being the lead back. I think 100% it's going to be more of a committee than anything. Uh, but I mean, I feel like them resigning Leonard Fournette, like they, it wasn't, ex- I mean, that was kind of like up in the air. And so I think them resigning Leonard Fournette has to at least show that they're going to be, uh, invested in him, like to an extent to where he, he's going to be like at least part of a committee, but that's just my yeah take. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I do think Fournette has a sizable role no matter what. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get into the most polarizing fantasy players for 2021. We've got four quarterbacks, four running backs, four wide receivers, and four tight ends to talk about. And these are the guys that are probably the like some of the hardest, either hard players to project or players where maybe they're, they aren't that hard to project, but the fantasy community is overthinking it or maybe they're just like a wide gap in consensus rankings. And we'll start at quarterback. And the first player here is Aaron Rodgers. And I think this one is not one that the fantasy community particularly disagrees upon. I think people know that there's going to be touchdown regression from his 48 passing touchdowns and his (laughs) 9.1% touchdown rate. But I feel like for more casual fantasy players who see those numbers and see the name Aaron Rodgers, I feel like there might be some disparity in where he's actually going in drafts versus where what the experts say. Well, well, yeah, and, and he was, I mean, he was so, he was such an exciting player last year. I, I had him on my uh, uh, my fantasy team, and I'll admit, 
I was disappointed when he felt like when he uh, fell to me in the draft. Uh, I had my eyes on. I think, I think it was like it was like a, a Dak Prescott or something. And well, in hindsight, definitely wouldn't have wanted to pick him. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, but I had my eyes on Dak Prescott, and then of course I don't get him, and so I waited and I got Aaron Rodgers. And everyone was saying, everyone was saying that Aaron Rodgers was going to uh, like after after such a uh, terrible season uh, the year prior, like he was going to, he was just going to completely fall off the map. And, and I remember, and like, I remember like basically uh, believing all, everything that I was reading. And then I watched him and my, oh my, was everyone, everyone who doubted him completely wrong. It was so cool to see him just show up and, and, and just play better than I've seen him play in such a long time. And as a Vikings fan, I hated it, but loved it at the exact same time. And, and I really, I think, I don't think he's going to, I think especially after the season he had last year, there's no way he regresses like to the point where he's not uh, a, a QB one, but I also don't think he's going to match the season that he had last year. Yeah, I, I agree that he's definitely not going to match it. And I do – I mean, I it was a definitely a big miss of the fantasy community to fade Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't like he was ever supposed to completely fall off the map, I don't think. But he definitely was being uh, yeah. faded by the majority of experts. I have him right now as my QB8. And this isn't finalized, but I think that's probably a good spot for him next year. That, like, middle to back end QB1 range where he's, like, mm-hmm. safely in the tier but not, like, crazy high. Yeah, I guess fall off the map wasn't the right idea. I actually did see some people who were uh, who believed he was going to uh, like like not even gonna uh, be a QB one. Like a, I, I saw people ranking him as like a low end QB two. I mean, that was oh, wow. a minority of people, but I like I definitely saw him very low. But yeah, like the the point is is that he was definitely faded by the fantasy community, and it was really cool to see him show up uh, last year. And I do believe. Uh, to he I do believe he will at least be uh like a mid uh like or to low end uh QB1. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. Yeah. Daniel Jones is the next guy we have on this list and this is a guy that's often hated on. I believe he's <laughs> overhated in the fantasy community because I mean, he's hated on for his decision making, his interceptions, his fumbles. But I mean, if you watched Daniel Jones's film last year, Near the end, he actually really started to work on his decision-making. He was throwing away passes that he normally would have just thrown 50-50 balls for and maybe gotten intercepted. And obviously, and then he had an injury that really set him back. But So we didn't really get to see the new Daniel Jones. But I definitely think, especially with Kenny Galladay coming in, he's going to be polarizing for people who don't believe in his talent. But I'm actually a, someone who does believe in Daniel Jones's talent. And with Kenny Galladay coming in there, with them re-signing Evan Ingram, he's got plenty of weapons at his disposal. With Saquon Barkley coming back as well, I mean, I really think yeah. Daniel Jones is like, he has a good chance to be the next breakout quarterback next year, and I'll be drafting That's, him for sure. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you, Calvin. I think... Uh, First off, I mean, I we're gonna get to Kenny Galdi late, later in the show, right? Uh oh, he's actually not on the list. I guess we could. Well, talk if, about if him. we're not, we, we we should talk about him. Okay, we should okay. just we're we're gonna talk about him. But uh, Daniel Jones, um, I I think I 100% agree with you. I think he could easily break out. I mean, first of all, that team is uh 
a run heavy or, or should be like, like needs to rely on uh, uh, someone like Saquon Barkley. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think by any means Daniel Jones is an absolute star, but I, I do think that he is a really solid uh, QB and he definitely, he very well could break out, especially when they have someone who makes such a big impact on the field, like Saquon Barkley. And then you're getting Kenny Galdi, like you mentioned, who is uh, a very experienced, like he was a star, um, a star wide receiver with uh, uh, Matthew Stafford and the Lions. And I think he also is very, like him, he and uh, Daniel Jones seem like they would have uh, very good chemistry together. And I I do think that uh, Daniel Jones definitely could, uh, could, uh, I, I believe he'll be a QB one next year personally but that's definitely a bolder take but mm-hmm. i do think he will yeah that's bold but i definitely like it for sure he has a great chance to break out his arm talent is definitely there and kenny galladay makes his he made his money on deep routes and well, so yeah, i really deep think he's gonna even if he doesn't get the most targets which i think he will get a decent amount of targets but they'll be on these deep plays that i mean just rack up points very quickly very efficiently and that's where he i'm trying to there's like a phrase that I'm not remembering for some reason, but that's where he. It's all uh, good. Uh, I mean, Sean? That's, that's where he's good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was just going to say, that's, that's what I meant by, I, I think they were going to have good chemistry. Uh, I was not explaining that well, but I, what, like you said, uh, Ken Galday specializes in deep balls. Daniel Jones, great at throwing them, uh, put two and two together. That, that makes a pretty good uh, duo right there. But yeah, yeah I, I think that Daniel Jones will be good. Yeah, I think what? Galladay, I think they'll both be underrated, but maybe Galladay especially, just because a lot of people will see this as like some sort of major downgrade. It might not even be a downgrade. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I uh, agree with you. Jalen Hurts is number three on this list, and we ranked them in order of like Ooh. how they're being ranked pretty much like right now. But he is going to be so controversial next year. His mm-hmm. rushing ability is what will make him a good fantasy quarterback if he becomes one. I'm not going to – I feel like Jalen Hurts is a good guy because his of his ADP right now is like a high QB2. That's a guy that I'm willing to take a chance on in the late rounds. I'm not going to go guarantee that Jalen Hurts is going to be great. But when you have a rushing quarterback with at least some sort of talent going that late, I think it's a good idea to take a chance on him just because that rushing gives him so much upside and such a good floor. Yeah, I, again, 100% agree with you. Uh, I, I think, like you said, if I were to take him as my – first QB, I would be, I would be worried. I, I, I don't think it's a good idea to uh, just take him and like basically have him as the QB you're going to rely on because I don't think he's reliable. I, I think whenever you have a quarterback whose uh, like a primary ability is, is rushing, I think it's, it's not something that is reliable. I mean, historically, it hasn't been reliable, but then you take someone like Lamar Jackson, who was going very late in in the, in the draft um, uh, when he was when he was a rookie, and he absolutely absolutely shined. And so Jalen Hurts could easily have the same kind of uh, impact not not the same kind of impact. Let me rephrase that because Lamar Jackson is uh, something else. Yeah, I think Jalen Hurts. Definitely, if you get him as like a second, a second option for QB, that's that's 
really, really great. That's really, really great because if you miss out on him, you miss out on him. But you have a, another QB that you can uh, like somewhat rely on. Yeah. And but if he hits, I think he'll hit. I think he will be. I think he will be really, really good if he if he finds a way to utilize that that his rushing ability. I think he'll make a, a huge impact uh, on the league. I mean, I, I really like him as a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Especially I like in him his too. game I, sense. Yeah, I don't think he's gotten a lot of hate, and I don't think he deserves all of that. But I do agree mm-hmm. that there are still question marks. However, I also agree that he has a really, really high potential. And before we move on, I was going to say, like, the funniest thing was watching uh, draft reactions when the uh, Eagles drafted him, and I was, it, it was, it's so funny uh watching people freak out about him uh Jalen Hurts getting drafted but I actually think he's uh a like a good quarterback with a ton of potential so yeah I like him all right so uh I guess the last guy on this list is Cam Newton and he's a guy who's gonna be like on the fringes of honestly even being drafted next year and yeah he got a lot of new weapons he got Jonu Smith Hunter Henry Nelson Aguilar Kendrick Bourne he's got a slew of weapons at his disposal and that makes him draftable at the end of drafts because we saw there was a short period where Cam Newton was usable in fantasy last year. I'm not like I'm not going to guarantee that he's going to be good next year. In fact, there's a great chance that he's not. And yeah, don't don't guarantee that. <laughs> do not draft him as your QB one whatsoever. But I mean, I'm fine taking him in the late rounds again because of that rushing ability. It's kind of like Jalen Hurts. Yeah, you know what? Here's what I'll say. It's Cam Newton. Now, again, are you going to guarantee that he returns to uh, Panthers MVP Cam Newton? No. No way. No way. But, again, it's Cam Newton. And so I think if you take uh, someone like him who uh, late, like, late, late, like very late in the draft, very deep in the draft, on a team where – they now have two of the top young tight ends in the league uh, on a team where they, uh, they, they've uh, Belichick has specialized uh, with two tight end sets. I think you can definitely take a chance on him and there's a pretty good chance that it'll pay off to some degree. Will, uh, am I saying pay, by payoff? I mean like even a, even a QB two when when you need like on, on some week against uh, a, a bad team you need you need to fill in, uh, but I think because there are going to be a lot of people who won't even consider drafting him, it's not it's not bad at all to at least just pick him up. Agreed. Yeah, and yeah, I mean he's definitely an interesting player to have at the end of this list. Yeah, but yeah, I mean it's kind of like Jalen Hurts in my opinion. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to running back, and the first one. Is a big name. Clyde Edwards Hilaire coming off of a disappointing rookie season. Yeah. But the good news is Le'Veon Bell is gone. Damian Williams is gone. And I do believe that Clyde Edwards Hilaire takes a step up next year. I don't think he's the most talented player ever. I feel like he was more of like a scheme pick for the Chiefs mm-hmm. rather than anything else, just because he's a good pass catcher. But I do think that he stays on the field more next year in third downs, which will be big for his pass catching stats. He didn't he was honestly like actually he was fine at the beginning of the season before they added fine. bell yeah but i think he gets better next year i don't think he's like an absolute stud but he'll definitely take i think he'll take a clear step up for people and 
be somewhat yeah. satisfactory. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm right along with you. I think, I think with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, one of the people who was on the CH bandwagon uh, last year. I, I took him uh, first round. Super excited about it. <laughs> uh, not, not so excited about it as the season progressed. But I ended up, I ended up training him, actually getting really good value out of him. So I, I didn't have a terrible experience with uh, CEH. But here's what I'll say: I think that what I learned after watching the Chiefs is that they're not. I don't think they're ever, especially in the near future, they're going to be a team that relies uh, heavily at all on the run game. Uh, I, I mean, I think we already knew that, but like. It's just I don't think uh, they rely heavily enough on the run game for someone like CEH to be uh, a running back one. Even even if like even with all the points that they score, I just think near the goal line they're just way too unpredictable. They have the shovel shovel passes to Travis Kelsey or, or the uh, with all their wide receivers Tyree Kill, McCall Hardman uh, rushing the ball. I just think it's so unpredictable with the chiefs that you can't really rely on uh ch to be an rb1 but i definitely think that uh without uh Le'Veon bell without uh damian williams he still can have uh be like he still will be definitely fantasy relevant and i think yeah. will be a solid uh rb2 but i don't think he'll i don't think he'll break uh into the rb1 uh yeah. range but that's just me I mean, it, last year, obviously, the running backs actually did work out very well in the class, rookie running back class last year. But it also, look, in hindsight, it does feel like it was the CEH RB1 train was a little bit forced to just try to get like that one guy who was going to be an RB1. I don't know if that was yeah. necessarily the intent. But I think, and, and mainly the thing that we realized is that I think the Chiefs aren't ever going to feature like a running back, like a, be a, yeah. they'll never have a Christian McCaffrey or a Saquon Barkley. That's exactly what I was saying. That's yeah. I'm. Uh, do I think that would be good for them? I can't really say that either because my oh my, are they uh, absolutely uh, an insane offense? But uh, yeah, I, I think we learned. I think we learned something last year. I don't think they're ever going to really have, or at least in the near future, someone like Saquon or Christian McCaffrey. I I one hundred percent agree with you on that. This guy might be even more polarizing than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. James Robinson, who Austin and I yes. agree on, and it's good to have some, a voice here on the show who agrees with me that James Robinson being ranked as the RB18 is stupid. And Austin, I'll let you go first, and then I'll do my argument because the listeners have heard my argument before, but I want to hear yours. Okay. I love uh, James Robinson. I, I absolutely love James Robinson. I've always loved James Robinson. I think uh, I think whenever you're an undrafted uh, rookie, you're going to be underrated, even after you have a uh, a a season that puts you in contention for offensive rookie of the year. I, I can't even believe the the fact that people have him uh, as like a low end RB two. It, it's it's really just disrespectful to someone who who is who legitimately just was in contention for offensive rookie of the year is the clear RB one on, on a team where he fits, he fits into their uh, run scheme perfectly. And, and, and people like uh, players like 
I, I watched an analysis video with Maurice Jones-Drew analyzing his play, and, and he was describing just how great uh, James Robinson is. And so the fact that people are ranking him uh, uh, like in the RB2 range, I, I, is, I just think is really absurd. I think he should be, I, I think he should be an undisputed uh, RB1. I, I just can't see him uh, going any, uh, I can't see him going below that. Yeah, I, really and I mean, he is an RB1 in my eyes as well. Out of 29 experts on Fantasy Pros, his highest rank is number 11. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> his consensus is RB18. Right now, I mean, I might move him down a couple spots because there are some guys I like. But James that's Robinson, true. I mean, I'm not moving him past RB12. He's currently my RB9. And I'm he, not moving yeah, him lower than Yeah, that's good. Am because, I saying that he's going to be above, like, uh, the the like top top six, top five running backs? No. He won't. I, I, I don't think he will surpass him. Even though, what, what was he, like the RB3 last year? RB like five something, or something. Or something crazy like that. I, I don't think he's going to fall, uh, uh, fall around there uh, next year because, again, Christian McCaffrey out of the mix. Saquon Barkley out of the mix. Uh, Nick Chubb out of the mix for a while. Uh, long story short, a lot, a lot of players were out of the mix. Yeah. But I also think that you can't, you can't put someone, again – who was in contention for Offensive Rookie of the Year and had a very good case for it if there weren't uh, even crazier rookies like Justin Herbert and uh, Justin Jefferson. But but still, I, I just can't see how you would put him uh, in the RB two range. And I think I think if you could get him, if you could get him in the uh, second round, I I see that as a steal. You're there. He's going to be available like probably early third. I'm maybe. Yeah. Maybe but I, I, I'm saying, yeah, but I'm saying like, like, don't even like, if you see him, like, uh, if you have the opportunity to get him in the second round, I would get him there. I wouldn't even take the risk to, uh, like try and like, I'm, I'm saying that if you get him in the second round, that's a steal, like no matter what, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say necessarily like early second round is potentially like a not an early second round, like late second round. Like oh yeah, round. late second round is a steal. Yeah. But I mean, here's the thing. I think the main people that hate on James Robinson, and I've definitely looked at the main arguments against James Robinson. There really only seems to be one that his touch share is going to go down. And yes, we know that James Robinson's touch share was historically high last year. The analytics people want to tell us that over and over and over. But what they completely fail to consider is while his running back rush share, his running back rush he, share is the percentage of his team's rushes that he received, which was like- And he was efficient. Games. Yeah, I mean, but the other, the Jaguars ran the ball the least amount of times out of any team in the league last year. Every other team had more carries per game than the Jaguars. So- really Barely any offensive possession. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, but their, their offense is going to improve. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, with Trevor Lawrence- their time of possession is going to go up. They were bottom two in time of possession as well. Uh, their time of possession is going to go up. They had one win. That's going to go up. And their win was in the first game when James Robinson had his least amount of experience. They're going to win win games more. They're going to be up in games more, running the ball more. And Carlos Hyde is obviously going to take some touches. They wouldn't have signed him if he wasn't going to. And yes, James Robinson's rush share isn't going to stay the same. But if the Jaguars run the ball more, and James Robinson's rush share decreases. Why does that mean that he's going to decrease significantly in touches? Yeah. He might have yeah. some regression, but you should not be moving him outside of the top twelve. He's one of the most I, underrated I, players in fantasy. 
can I say something also? First of all, I think Carlos Hyde uh, going on that team is actually also good because a veteran running back with a uh, undrafted rookie, I think that will just get, provide him with more experience. And I think actually he'll benefit from that. Also, when you're a rookie uh, QB going into the league, unless you're, again, unless you're someone like, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is, I think he's going to be very, very, very good. I, but I, I also don't think that they're going to be able to just re- rely, comp- like uh, uh, just rely on the passing game. And mm-hmm. I think, again, people forget that James Robinson was also a really good receiving back. And so when you have someone who you can dump it off to, like James Robinson, I think he'll also get uh, a lot more receptions as well with someone like uh, Trevor Lawrence. I, I actually yeah. think, his receiving game will also improve. I think people forget about how good, how efficient he was uh, in the receiving game. So I think it, both, both, like both uh, factors that people are saying are going to uh, cause his uh, value to decrease. I actually think that it's going to benefit him in uh, a lot of other ways, but that's just me. Yeah. I mean, there are so many ways I've actually got like, I mean, I think there's, I just want to mention like two more quickly before we move on. Of course. And the yeah. first is that, I mean, Adding Carlos Hyde, we knew that Jacksonville was going to add another running back, I think. Adding a guy like Carlos Hyde is the best-case scenario. Carlos Hyde isn't a guy like Jamal Williams who could take third-down catches, who could, like, take James Robinson off the field a bunch. So that doesn't really worry me compared to the other guys they could have added. That's, like, a good scenario for me. And now with the Jaguars getting, like, Marvin Jones in free agency, who has proven he can be a really good wide receiver, even with little help around him and... Uh, albeit he has DJ Chark, who is help around him. With Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> yeah. they can't, teams can't stack the box against Robinson. Robinson was the only threat on the Jaguars' offense, and he still managed to be effective. How good do you think he's yes. going to be when he's not the only threat on the Jaguars' offense? That's ex- Yeah, exactly. So many That's reasons. That's a point. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's going to be like the Stefan Diggs fade this year. Yeah. Josh Jacobs is our next guy as we finally move on from James Robinson. But that was important. That's very important. I, I'm very important. Where, if you're in a fantasy league and you listen to this show, you have to get know James Robinson. That, you have to know about get James Robinson. Josh Jacobs prioritize him. is yes, prioritize him. Josh Jacobs was interesting heading into next year. I think his uh, I originally thought he was going to be suspended, but I think his charges were dropped or something. So he was actually going to be like a borderline top 12 running back. And then the Chargers <laughs> gave anymore. seven and a half million a year to Kenyon Drake. And this is not a good situation. I think Jacobs can still sustain top 24 running back value, but it was, this is like a terrible situation for Jacobs dynasty owners. Jeez. Kenny and Drake has been such a roller coaster of a, uh, like past few seasons. Uh, I, I don't even know. I, I, here's the thing. I don't think, especially after, uh, Kenny and Drake's like mediocre performance uh, as the uh, RB one in Arizona. I don't think that the Raiders Raiders are going to depend on him uh, by any means. And I think Josh Jacobs will still. I I don't I don't even think it will be a, a committee. I think they he will still have a significant uh, uh, like role in, in comparison to um, Kenny and Drake. But what I will say is that he's Kenny and Drake is definitely going to eat into um, his value. Uh, I, and I don't think that you can treat him like an RB1 anymore. 
I, I don't think, I mean, I don't think either of them, uh, I think Kenny and Drake's like maybe like an RB three. I, I, I don't like Kenny and Drake at all, but I think uh, Josh Jacobs, you can see him as like a solid RB two. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's easy. I feel like I might more put him maybe in the mid tier to maybe a little bit lower range, but I, it's easy to see. Well, here's the thing. It's easy to see how maybe Josh Jacobs is like better than Kenyon Drake and gets like the vast majority of touches. And I know that like sometimes like we see John Gruden say things and do things that he doesn't really mean. Like last year he said he's going to get Josh Jacobs more receptions and he didn't, but the seven and a half million a year is what really worries me. If that's not just a verbal commitment, that's a financial commitment. And that's a big financial commitment to a running back. And I'm, I mean, yes, Kenny and Drake had a mediocre year, but, uh, so did Josh Jacobs and for his <laughs> compared to his expectations, especially I, I, uh, I remember he was like, what he was like a undisputed, uh, RB one last year going into the draft. And then Man. he completely fell off, uh, compared to where he was initially projected. So, you know, I, I think both of them have definitely regressed, uh, but, uh, we'll just have to see. Uh, I think that that's kind of a toss-up, but I definitely would wait. I wouldn't – here's what I'll say. Like, if he really falls late into the draft, pick him up. But I don't think he's someone you can um, – uh, there are a lot of other, like, people with higher upside that I would focus on. His high, his upside has been uh, really limited uh, because of that. So Yeah. I mean, I do think Jacob still has like some value. They have no well, offensive yeah. line now in Oak. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I know you're you, you didn't say he didn't, obviously, but yeah, I, I'm not gonna. I like Oakland cut all their off or Las Vegas cut all their offensive linemen pretty much now. <laughs> so now they have no offensive line, but in the, the I think Jacobs could actually end up being a little bit undervalued next year because of this. We'll have to see how his ADP shakes out, but Drake's value was just killed. Yeah, yeah, I, all right. I mean, yeah. I agree. Ronald Jones is the last running back to cover, and we already talked about him a little bit earlier, so maybe we can just go over him briefly. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go over him briefly. Okay. Well, so, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll, just... I'll go first. Right. Uh, you go, Calvin. I, uh, you know what? I've gone first all the time. You you go. Okay. You speak. Um, I mean, I, I've discussed it before. I do think Ronald Jones takes the lead role in this offense. Bruce Arians is incredibly hard to trust with his running backs. I think there may be games where Ronald Jones is just gone and Leonard Fournette starts because that's the pain that comes with being a Ronald Jones truther. But (laughs) the the fact that the ratio of carries from Jones to Fournette last season in the regular season was just so in favor of Jones that I feel like there's no way they can't can just give Fournette the whole workload for the whole season. I feel like Fournette's success in the playoffs was a lot of because he really had like fresh legs after not running the ball much during the year. That really helped him a lot. So, uh, I, yeah, I think also, I mean, I don't, I, I, I want to say that it was the injury, but I think also, I mean, he was, he's a young guy. There are plenty of times when young players with the spotlight on them don't, really show up so I think it, it, it could have very well been nerves as well but I think I, I I love Ronald Jones throughout the season he had some incredibly bright spots um uh, like especially I remember watching that 98 yard 
breakout uh, run touchdown. Um, and I was just blown away. So he's definitely a really talented guy. He's young. They're going to y- utilize him no matter what. Does uh, Leonard Fournette hurt his value? Sure. But I think you can still count on him. I think especially if you can get him as like uh, in the later rounds, I think he's another guy who I think is going to be undervalued because Leonard Fournette has been re-signed. But I think he definitely has definitely has a lot of upside. So I would I would definitely get him. Like he's one of those guys that if he falls too late in the draft, I'd pick him up because he definitely could uh, could uh, exceed our expectations. So yeah, agreed. All right, let's move on to wide receiver. The first guy we have here is DK Metcalf, who started off the season on a tear and ended it kind of met. And now Pete Carroll has said he wants to recommit to running the ball a ton like he did in the last few years. And he re-signed Chris Carson to do so. And I mean, I'm going to take Pete Carroll on his word at, uh, at his word on this one because Pete Carroll resisted turning the Seahawks into a pass first offense for years. Even when people t- were yelling about letting Russ cook, we let Russ cook and Russ made like a sandwich and a bag of chips in, at the second half of the season, especially. So now it's going to be a run first offense again. And I think Pete Carroll's sticking to it this time. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I remember watching the uh, Seahawks Cardinals game at the end. It was DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson. And, they, and uh, the reporter was talking to Russell Wilson about how like comparing them to Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. <laughs> and I, I started laughing my head off because I was like, that, that is way, way, way too early. And, and look what happened. Here's what I'll say. I've always been a uh, DK Metcalf hater. Uh, and I, I, was, I hated on him. I hated on him. And I hated on him. And he just shut me up because he started going off. I mean, going off. Uh, and, and then I was like, and then I became a DK Metcalf lover, but then he fell off again. And I was, I was so confused. And I think, I think it's more that the, uh, that teams figured out the, uh, Seahawks more than they figured out DK Metcalf. Cause it wasn't like Tyler Lockett was doing much either. It was kind of like the whole S- uh, Seattle offense was getting shut down. And if you, um, uh, there, uh, there was a podcast. Uh, I forgot what it's called. That DK Metcalf was on. I remember I was listening to it, and and he was talking about that exact same thing because I remember I was curious about it, and he was saying that it was more that teams had figured out, like like the mm-hmm. the guy who hosted. He was like, "What happened?" And he was like, "It's more that the team, the teams just figured this out." That's what he said. Uh, and it wasn't that like I mean, would he admit that uh, teams figured him out? Probably not. But I think it definitely was more about uh, teams figuring out the Seahawks out. And I think Pete Carroll is def- a really good coach and he'll figure something out. And DK Metcalf is a freak of an athlete and should not be. Um, I, I, he, I, I think he's going to be underrated or maybe overrated because of his reputation. I don't know. I, I like <laughs> him. I think he I think he's like uh, uh, on the verge of being a wide receiver one. I think he's like right in that wide receiver one, wide receiver two air uh, range. Yeah, well, I mean, if you if you have him there, you definitely think he's overrated because he is currently the wide receiver five on Fantasy Pros. Really? Yes, he's one of the most overrated players for fantasy next year. He's a great player, like you said, Austin, but 
in a he's just going to be too inconsistent for me in a run heavy offense. They Seahawks haven't been able to sustain like a consistent receiver in that offense. They haven't been yep. able to sustain Tyler Lockett there ever. And while DK is probably better than Tyler Lockett, he's not wide receiver. Five. He's not ahead of Calvin Ridley, yeah. not ahead of AJ Brown or Michael Thomas or Justin Jefferson. No way. All those guys are ahead of DK Metcalf. Justin Jefferson, I think. Um, again, uh, maybe a tiny bit biased. But honestly, not biased <laughs> in this scenario. He's definitely better than DK Metcalf. I'm sorry. I remember I got clowned like uh, the uh, like first uh, like the first uh, few weeks of the season. I was uh, at, uh, at at this basketball court with some of my friends, and I, I was telling them how much better Justin Jefferson was than DK Metcalf, and they started laughing. And look what Justin Jefferson has done. But we'll talk about him. I'm sure you've talked about him a lot. I mean, why not? But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that DK Metcalf, he's a solid player. Uh, uh, not solid. He's, he's, a, he's a, a good player. He's a, he's a great player, except his, uh, his, he's too inconsistent, I think, like you yeah. said. It's going to be it's yeah. difficult to trust him for next year. Mm-hmm. Michael Thomas yeah. is going to be very polarizing next year. And it's two yeah. different worlds for me. If he gets Jameis Winston as his quarterback, I'm all in on Michael Thomas next year. If he gets Taysom Hill, I'm all out. So it just all depends yeah. on the quarterback because Taysom Hill was not able to sustain a wide receiver in this off. I mean, he did sustain Michael Thomas, but not to top five production. He doesn't throw for very many touchdowns. Jameis Winston throws for tons of yards and tons of touchdowns. And so if he is the starting quarterback, I love Michael Thomas for next year. Jameis Winston will yeah. have that one and he'll just pepper him with targets. Yeah. There's not much to say other than it's most, it has almost nothing to do with Michael Thomas and almost everything to do with, uh, the QB situation. So mm. you really just have to look out for that. That's that's about it. Yeah. What would you say? Okay, h- how about this? Just to like uh, clear uh, like uh, clear it out of the way. Him with James. Uh, him with Jameis Winston. Where do you rank him? Mm. That's tough. That's really tough. Like just like maybe, a range. Just honestly, like a range. Honestly, maybe number. Probably he's top five. Maybe maybe yeah, as high as three. I, I thought that I actually thought that's what or maybe you were say. And okay, okay, that's 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 definitely bold considering he was uh, so but what good about, when we, he had what, yeah, in twenty nineteen. What about uh Taysom Hill? But Jameis Winston is not Breeze. I'm sorry, Taysom Hill. That's good. yeah. I mean, if he, he's not Breeze, <laughs> but for yeah, fantasy, yeah. he might be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. With Taysom Hill, oh, probably borderline wide, wide receiver one, wide receiver two. That I say wide receiver two. Be honest. Maybe I mean it's going to come down to who I just am willing to put ahead of him, and I could definitely see myself putting him yep. maybe even at like fourteen or fifteen. Yep, that's what I see too. Will Fuller is the next guy on our list. It's going to be interesting. Is this going to be a Stefan Diggs situation in Miami with Tua Tagovailoa, where he improves Tua Tagovailoa a lot? Or will it just be like Will Fuller just can't do anything? He's going to miss the first game of the season because of his PED suspension. He still hasn't proven he can't he can stay healthy without being on drugs. So like <laughs> that's a huge question mark. He's so difficult for fantasy, and like he is. There's a point. I don't say this a lot. I, I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast. But there's a point when someone just becomes so difficult to project that you just have to avoid them because you just don't know what to think. And there's too many question marks. I agree with you. I 
Uh, I remember um, once uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins got traded, everyone was saying, Brandon Cooks is going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy with all the uh, upside. But then who showed up? Will Fuller. And, and he, he, showed, uh, uh, he showed a lot of potential because he seemed like, uh, what was it? Like when, uh, when he was initially drafted, I remember a lot of people were really, really high on him. Um, he was pretty disappointing. But then uh, he, he kind of emerged again as a, a pretty, uh, like, a, 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 he was like a, what, top, top eight? Yeah, he was wide receiver eight in points per game this year. Wide receiver eight in points per game this year. He was good. Yeah. I think I, I like you said he's he's really unpredictable. I think he. There's never been a tougher player to project for me, ever. Than yeah, his, this he year. doesn't really have a like a consistent past. He's going with a rookie or second year quarterback now. Um. And so, like his we quarterback isn't ourselves. as dependable. I mean, let let's let's uh, be clear here. The the seat the top eight in points per game was with Deshaun Watson. Now he's getting to a and to is definitely not even close or to Deshaun Watson. So I don't know. I'd say I'd say probably avoid him, but take him if he if he drops. Yeah, that's the best I could come up with. I mean, like take him, know, take just, him below consensus. Yeah, take him below consensus. That's I'm, that's what I would do. I'm stumped right now. I just there. I I don't know if there's. I, this is just gonna be funny. Till I don't know if there's ever yeah. gonna be a player who's tougher to project in a single season than Will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, I could get him completely wrong. I don't know. I agree. I'm just gonna agree with your analysis because that sounds like the most logical out of like 50 million possible situations. Yep. All right. Cortland Sutton is the next guy. This is a guy is a lot easier to project for me, but he's being underrated in uh, fantasy because his current consensus ranking is wide receiver 32 on fantasy approach, which was about 10 or 12 spots below where he was last year. All that happened was that he got hurt. Nothing has changed. And he's, I mean, while yes, it was an ACL injury. I think he can bounce back from that. He's proven he can be an alpha wide receiver one in offense. And yes, he has Drew Locke, but I think he'll command a big target share because he's really the main guy that Drew Locke can consistently rely on. I don't think Noah Fant is that guy, contrary to what other people sometimes say. Jerry Judy has not proven he can be that guy yet. Cortland Sutton has shown he can be that guy. Uh, Yeah, I think that... even going without the injury, people were saying that he was going to be uh, a bust. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that in uh, like in combination with with his injury and missing the uh, uh, entire season or majority of the season, and then uh, now coming back this year, like he he didn't like. I think a lot of people are underrating him. Do I, I? I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one at all, yeah. or even I, I think I think the highest. I think his ceiling is like a solid wide receiver two, uh, but that's like that's the best case scenario. He definitely could also bust, like people were projecting originally. I mean, he's 
not on uh, uh, by any means a a good uh, passing offense. So we'll just we'll have to see again. He's very unpredictable, but I think he's definitely going to be undervalued. So if you can get him at a good uh, a good spot in the draft, I, I would uh, like a deep like if you can get him deep in the draft, I would definitely take him. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of question marks, but it's just. He's just going to be undervalued because people this just decided about. to yeah. drop him 10 spots in their rankings after not playing for a year. Yeah, I, I think there's not, like, with, with all these question marks that we're trying to address, I think you, we can't, like, place, like, a clear uh, value on them. But I think what we can do is say if they're going to be underrated or overrated, and I think Kyle and I both agree that Cortland Sutton is going to be underrated. So yeah. take with that as you will. Cortland Sutton and Tyler Boyd. It's going to be great getting those guys late in drafts. And uh, this yeah. is another year of Tyler Boyd hype. I was all over it last offseason. He had a great year to start the year, and then Joe Burrow got hurt. But th- it's coming up again. It's going to be another great season for Tyler Boyd, and he's so underrated. So it's going to be fantastic to have my choice of these two guys in the seventh round. <laughs> yep. All right. Last guy before – I mean, I added him to the list. You wanted to mention him later? Before we move on to tight end, oh, yeah. Kenny Galladay. Well, um, I think we can we we can talk about him very quickly, but uh, Kenny Galladay. Again, like we said, we think he's a great fit for uh, uh, Daniel Jones. That that Giants offense is it going to be uh, top of the league? No, I don't think so. It could but be pretty good though. It could be. It could be. Okay, it could be. I'm not. I'm not a big Daniel Jones fan. I again, I think he's like a talented guy, but it's not. I'm not like. I definitely am not like, like in love with him, and. But then again, I also think Kenny Galladay will be undervalued. I think, especially uh, Kenny Galladay's uh, in like for Kenny Galladay's uh, fantasy relevant relevance. I think. Uh, this trade is going to really help him, uh, and I, I think he will be. I think he will be a wide receiver one, a low end wide receiver, uh, uh, a low end wide receiver one. But I think he will be at least a high end wide receiver two, and I think he could easily uh, break into the wide receiver one range. All right, I like it. Let's move on to tight end. We've got. Four, actually five guys to talk about, but two of them go together. Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, two guys that went to the same team and killed their fantasy values, or not completely <laughs> killed. I mean, to be honest, I feel like if the, about Patriots, it. <laughs> if the Patriots added a quarterback, which might be less likely now that the 49ers have traded up, I mean, yeah, I guess now that the 49ers have traded up, I don't really like these guys for this year. But I think in Dynasty, there's a good buy low window because the Patriots can't just play without a without a quarterback forever. They need to get someone to replace Cam Newton eventually. Yep. And so once they, they do, are. I think their values could rise a little bit. And I think John is the better tight end. He's the guy I'd prefer. But this year for redraft, I don't really like them. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. I think that it's way too unpredictable. I, I don't care like how like great that, that tight end set looks for the uh, Patriots. The, the fact of the matter is, that with a QB like Cam Newton, you really can't uh, rely on them. And so I, I think it would just be safe to 
um, kind of just just basically fade on both of them. I think if you're going to pick any of them, uh, it would be Johnny Smith. Obviously, he's he seems like he's going to have the more uh, significant role of the two, but uh, even him, I don't think is going to make that big of an impact, not because he's not very talented and not because they're not going to be uh, utilized, but just because the Patriots offense with Cam Newton, um, that, that passing offense just does not look too good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it will be better, though, for the Patriots specifically. But just because they have so many weapons there, it's going to – Cam Newton's definitely going to spread the ball around a lot. But John is still a big yep. threat. Bill Belichick made a point of signing him. He paid him more than Hunter Henry, and he gave him – like he has raved over Johnny Smith in the past. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would prefer Smith. But, yeah, then again, again, for this year, I don't really think he's – Yeah, I, I mean, if you can get Johnny Smith late, I, I would. But I think it's safe to pass on uh, just that that set of or that that pair if mm-hmm. um, if another if another uh, tight end is available to you that is also like at the same range. Mm-hmm. Robert Tunyon's the next guy to talk about. He's a guy I think is going to be overdrafted this year unless people recognize that he's going to have significant touchdown regression. I'm probably going to avoid him because with Aaron Rodgers's regression comes Robert Tunyon's significant regression. He was a solid tight end one last year, but I mean, now I see him probably regressing to borderline top 10. I guess the Packers haven't really added anyone at wide receiver, but even so, I think he's still going to regress, but I want to hear your thoughts. Let's remember why. uh, I think, again, I think Robert Tunyon, no offense to him. I mean, he was a, he was a very talented, he was a great, he's a great player, Uh, but I think it was more a, a showing of, what Aaron Rodgers could do uh, more than anything. Uh, I think that, I think that like one of the reasons he was like also such a, uh, had such a significant role in that, uh, in that offense was because they were missing uh, Devontae Adams for a while. They were missing Alan Lazar for a while. They were, they, they were like constantly missing uh, a key part of the, uh, their receiving core. And then I, I think that's when uh, Robert Tunyon showed up and he, he did show up later when they had everyone back. And I think his role has definitely re- improved regardless, but I don't think you can expect him to put up the same numbers that he did uh, last year. And I don't think you can depend on, uh, depend on him, depend on him as a tight end one. Yeah, I agree. There are two guys left on here that are left to talk about. One of them I think is underrated. One of them is not necessarily a guy I'm going to target next year, but Austin, you can pick which one we go first with. Uh, Hmm. Uh, actually, I, I want to, I'll, I'll say the best for last. Uh, we can go with uh, Logan Thomas. <laughs> That's the one See, that only I'm Calvin understands that. <laughs> Calvin, Calvin thinks that's best for last, but let's go with Logan Thomas. You know what? How about, how about this? Because, because they're both, uh, uh, each of them is on our uh, favorite team. You can, you can take uh, all of Logan Thomas and I will, take all of Irv Smith. All right. It'll be a, it'll be a single, a single take. Also, I can't make it my take on Irv Smith. That's tough. Okay. Whatever. It's fine. Fine. No, I, no, no. Okay. 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 I just, uh, just, uh, you can start. We'll start on either one of them and then okay. the other person will give their like small, small uh, take. 
Oh, yeah. Well, like Austin said, Logan Thomas is one of my favorites. He's one of the most undervalued tight ends in fantasy next year just because he's being treated as like some sort of borderline tight end one when he was the tight end, uh, as I'm trying to look, he was like the tight end six last year, even while not doing much in the first half of the year. Now he gets a quarterback upgrade from Alex Smith to Ryan Fitzpatrick. There's plenty of targets to go around. I think the main thing I'm concerned about is maybe them potentially adding a guy, although I don't think they necessarily need to. I think they maybe need to add a blocker, but that's not what I'm too concerned with. I'm also a little bit concerned with Ryan Fitzpatrick potentially not dumping the ball off as much as Alex Smith did. Um, But I still think even so, there's going to be a lot of targets to go around. There were a lot of tar Like, I mean, there's... uh, I I, I sort of... Yeah, there is. Average, like, the amount of times that like the I saw this on Twitter too like if you average the amount of times that Washington threw the amount of times that Fitzpatrick threw it, it's leaves for a pretty favorable situation in terms of targets so um yeah 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 I and and don't get me wrong uh, I said best for last because I think Irv Smith is going to be a stud personally but I, I also was a Logan Thomas fanboy last year uh, as well I had him on my fantasy team uh actually in in place of George Kittle because uh, in hopes of uh, his return, which he did return, but it was pretty uh, depressing return. Um, <laughs> but anyways, Logan Thomas actually outperformed uh, George Kittle to my surprise. And let me tell you, I I love uh, Logan Thomas, and I think he I think he will definitely uh, be really really good next year especially like watching him play he seemed like the the like the key part of that offense uh, aside from uh, Antonio Gibson so uh, yeah i i like him next year especially yeah. even with Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah and then with Irv, and then Irv Smith Irv Smith yeah so uh i i mean first off he had a heck of a season last year uh he was extremely efficient in the red zone uh, I mean, for for a, a, a tight end of his status, like he wasn't he wasn't uh, proven yet by any means. He's he's young, and he's talented. And now the Vikings have just uh, uh, traded away uh, um, Kyle Rudolph, and uh, now it's just Irv Smith. Really, that's that's all all there is now. Um, and and. Uh, uh, Kyle Rudolph was a monster in the red zone as well. And so all that will do is just free up uh, red zone targets for Irv Smith. And so, yeah, I think, I think Irv Smith is going personally. Now this is a really bold take. I think he's going to be a, a, a tight end uh, one next year, but, but then again, uh, I'm a biased Vikings fan. <laughs> so uh, yeah. To, <laughs> proceed with discretion, please. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think, it's not that hard to be a top 12 tight end, but I mean, and I guess I don't like completely hate Irv Smith just because Kyle Rudolph is now gone, but in a run heavy offense with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, I feel like he might be overrated as that like late round tight end that you should be 100% getting. I don't see him like that. I'm fine if you draft him. I just don't, his upside is just pretty limited. And I feel like, I mean, you're not really looking for a consistently mediocre guy. You kind of, when you're looking for a late round tight end, you want someone who could break out to go with your consistent starter. It's not really the other yeah. way around for me. It's more that I think the, I think it's the, I'm just really high on the Vikings offense. 
So I think they're going to be able to support uh, three to four uh, fantasy-relevant players. But that's just me. Again, biased Vikings fan. So, you know. All right. Well, that is it for this show. This was a fun one. I liked this. Yeah, that was fun. That was, Thank you that for, was definitely really fun. Thank you for joining the show. Thank you for having me, Calvin. We had a lot of good fun. discussions about very polarizing players. And I guess we can wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF. Uh, make sure to follow our podcast at SGF pod for updates. And Chris, who is usually here, but is not this week, is at Chris underscore SGF. Make sure to follow our live show, our sports talk show at SG Sports Talk. We host a weekly sports show slash March, I've been doing some March Madness live streams, so you should go check those out. I called the end, I called the Texas Tech Arkansas game the other day, and that had a really good ending. So, if you want to hear some good basketball, go to five minutes left in the stream. And so, click the link in the description to find our channel. Uh, it's on an app called Sportscaster, which you should go download, make an account. Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, yeah. Austin, if you want to, if you have anything no, to plug, I, go ahead. If you want to tell them where you, they can I find would. you. Yeah, I, I don't really have any plugs, but I, I would uh, I would strongly recommend that you follow uh, Calvin and Chris and Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast and, <laughs> and on Sportscaster because let me tell you, that is very entertaining. I, I watch them myself. Just so you know, Calvin, I'm, I, I'm a big baller there watching you all the time. Nice. Thank <laughs> you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we actually, I guess now that now that we don't edit in the intros and outros anymore, I don't know if you've been on a show. Well, you you heard the intro oh. being played live. I don't know if you've been on a show with the intro and outro played live yet. Oh no, play it for me. All right, here we go. Wait, Thanks wait. for listening, everyone, and we'll see you. Or did you have something to say before we go? Oh no. Bye bye. Okay. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.